Honestly though, you have played the game for a long time. Don't you have anything else to do with your time? Gaming Blues Podcast. Welcome to the very first podcast of 2020. This is episode one <laughs> of the Gaming Blues Podcast 2020 edition. Now you might be wondering why I'm calling it episode one, Darren. Yeah. Who is who is with me as always for the uh, the duo effort. As usual. If you look at the episode list, if you don't count the ones, or if you count the entire episodes we launched in 2019, they are around 14 to 15. I think it might be 14. I didn't bother to check. Now answer me this there, and here's a trivia for you. How many mm. episodes is in a season for usual for animes? <clears throat> for anime, typically we're looking around either 12 episodes or 24, depending on how long the season goes for. You're absolutely correct. That means we reached one season's worth of episodes. Now we're on to season two where everything kind of sucks, but we kind of make it up in the end. But then we, so, we really save it with the ending, right? Like the ending's like the best part of the show. So people have oh, to watch yeah. the whole thing. And then we come back with season three and we split up into two parts and then we become anime of the year. And then some people go like, but season two ended so satisfyingly. Why would you bring back Code Geass? I mean, wait. the blues. There's more. <laughs> we will never stop. As long as there's gaming things to talk about, we will always be here. The only thing that but, can stop us now is World War Three. So if you're... Yeah, don't look at the Twitters. It's been a very fun couple of days and couple of hours because all the retaliation is happening as we record this. But we're not American. We're Canadian. And all we're, all we're concerned about is that Justin Trudeau, our... Proud Prime Minister has a new beard for 2020. And that's all CNN is reporting on. Don't save us. Go Canada. All right. Um, just a bit of, you know, reflecting back at the 2019s with releasing over 14 episode-ish, our total downloads just on Podbean alone has reached 295, almost 300. I think that's a very respectable number just starting out in podcast and we hope or at least i hope the number can reach in the four digit sectors by the end of the year maybe five digits ten thousand that's a strong new year's resolution we will i will at least i will try to push because darren's always ready to record it's me being super lazy about and just now darren's doing a hand gesture in front of me but since this is an audio podcast you can't see shit i was showing my support Mm mm-hmm so, you know, new new year, new me, and I had this, all these fantastical fl- plans I had in 2019, I will continue on towards 2020. You'll carry it over and restart as your New Year's resolution like everyone else. It's a new game plus for all of us, especially me. So, thank you for those who have tuned in 2019, and I hope you stick around for 2020. Let us begin today's show. And this is where the intro will go in. <laughs> gaming blues i should make a new intro but we'll, i'll think about that later just do a remix right. just be lazy do a remix nightcore remix <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty 2019 sure is darren what is my favorite thing to look forward to at the end of every year game of the year exactly my favorite televised stream show that happens every end of the year hosted by spike tv 
It used to be on Spike TV. It used to be. That was like the old one. Like I remember Samuel L. Jackson hosted one of the uh, very one first years. ones. <laughs> remember the commercial where they're like broadcasting it, like, hosted by Samuel L. Jackson, and going like just woof woof. <laughs> <laughs> it was a di- it was a different era, but surprisingly, much of it stayed the same. A lot of it stayed the same, if you think about it. Well, I mean, currently, with with the Game Awards, which feels like... Which is supposed to be better than the Oscars, according to last year. With one of I the... I think, yeah. Uh, I would agree with that sentiment. I mean, not a hard, hard high bar to really bypass there. But this is by uh, Mr. Jeff Keighley, the producer, owner, founder who is really trying to pimp out the Game Awards as hard as he can, because, oh boy, there is a lot going on at that show, and they were very eager to power through every single announcement to get to music performances by Green Day. I mean, that's what people come for, right? Uh, to see Green Day after all this time. They're back, baby! It's Green Day! It's Thumb 41! It's Blink-182! I mean, I think 90% of people showed up for a smash announcement because that happened last year and then a lot of people walked away really upset. You know what I realized? Like the camera angles for last year and this year is like almost exactly the same where Jeff Keighley was standing. I bet you <laughs> they marked it on the stage beforehand and said, right here, Mr. Keighley. Right here. Just stand on the X and do your thing. Look at the now, camera. Go. With all the hate that our Mountain Dew... Um, Doritos King gets. I gotta... uh, sorry, sorry. I have to correct you. I have to no. stop you. I have to pause you. Doritos Pope. Doritos. Anyway, with all the hate that he gets, I still have kind of respect for the guy because he act- he's still like trying. Like his heart is the right place. I think the dude loves video games. I loved him from like the I don't know if you remember game trailers. Yes, back in the glory yes. days. Yeah. Um, I loved it when he was on that. I still respect the guy. Um, I know he's just being what's a Hideo, a Hideo Kojima's best friend forever. Yes, but his close personal said, friend. But that being said, I wouldn't take any other host over him to host the Game Awards for better or worse. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I'll nod. Who would you rather have? I don't know who exactly in the industry think of has enough infamy. I would say someone like Adam Sessler, but he's kind of out of games. What about um, what's his name? Game over Greg. I can't. Um, Greg Miller. I think Greg Miller leans more towards like the personality, like uh, e celeb type area. Mm. I, th- I think if he was more so in, in like his journalistic area back when he's like at IGN and all that, I think he might have more like clout. Like right now he's got like a really big YouTube channel with a really big following and it's like a very successful business for him. Good good for those guys, but it's not the same. It'd be like if Ninja were like the main host in that or like something like that, you know? It would it would feel weird. But Whereas Ninja like, has no hosting skills. Well I mean he uh we got uh we got the Virgin Ninja doing his his doing his walk. But uh, I love I love that version Ninja versus Chad whatever comparison. Chad no Chad Reggie <laughs> Chad Re- <laughs> Chad Reggie Fizabe uh, former former president of Nintendo of America who is in attendance that Jeff Keeley probably shouted out like five times during the, the show. <laughs> Here's Reggie. There's and, Reggie. And the Reggie again. Did we tell you that Reggie was here? Take a bow, Reggie. 
So for today's podcast, since we're way behind the actual airing of the game of the year, because go figure, we've been very busy over the holidays. Who would have thought? So we will breeze through the nominations and the winners and give our selective thoughts on each. I only picked like the couple that only like the two of us will be um, both interested, both mm-hmm. be interested in. So hence we, I skipped the esports portion of the awards. You're welcome. Which were very quick. Yeah. And then, as per each year, they do world premieres and trailer reveals of various new games and things coming out in the next year. So we'll be going over that right after we go over the nominations. So, uh, do you have the thing loaded in front of you? I do. I will go down the list. Basically, if you look at the site, I did it in reverse. So we will go to the game of the year last. So the first thing at the bottom was the best strategy game, which your favorite series, Fire Emblem The Three Houses, took the award for. Which I feel like is hard to disagree with the current, um, with the other. I feel like, you know, uh, Total War, you would say, would give it the best run for its money. But Fire Emblem had a really standout year. It was a really popular game. It's the best-selling game of the franchise. And it was highly critically acclaimed. And as someone who's recently just finished a route in the game, I respect it. And I have no disagreements with that pick. I would have went with Total War only because it's Three Kingdoms. And it's been like the most anticipated like version of Total War. To be fair, my roommate is the biggest Total War fan you'll ever meet. And he has been playing... Three Kingdoms recently and has said that it's like the most involved in a long time. It has a lot more politics and relationships, kind of like Fire Emblem, and it's but like less really anime. changed the game. Well, he was talking about how he had like an ally, mm-hmm. and throughout the whole game that the campaign he had, they were best friends, they're fighting against everybody. Then near the end, they started encroaching on his territory. So he's so he basically issued them like, hey, stop, or I will invade like your your best friend because the 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 different generals and leaders have like relationships with other leaders and there was one person who's like close friends with he's like i'll invade your this guy's kingdom if you don't stop and he didn't relent so he basically screwed over that his friend's nation captured him held him at ransom guy wouldn't stop so he executed him and made this guy his mortal enemy and then they basically went to war over the entire continent Ah, at two Chinese people. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that feels pretty appropriate for like what Three Kingdoms, what the Three Kingdoms is. I find it funny that Three Houses beat a Three Kingdoms. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right, Three um, Kingdoms didn't have enough waifus. Nah, that, that's the only reason it won. Because I mean, Fire Emblem also won the Player's Choice Award. It won overall, right? One overall Player Choice Award. Yeah. Yes, I feel like that's a lot of social media just having sway i mean fire emblem three houses is a good game i would not say it's my game of the year but you know it's very popular uh question since you beat root a does the game have alternate japanese voice options it has japanese voice acting for people who can't handle the english that's a me to be fair though this is probably the best english localization the series has ever had I don't know. I heard some of the voice acting and some of them are... Okay, 9 out of 10, they're really good. I'll give you that much. 
I'm not sure who you're really having issue with because most most of the cast is like really well done, and the actual like localization and like the translation is way better than every other game. The one-liners when you know, like in Fire Emblem games or any RPGs, when you have conversations that are usually text, but in the beginning of the conversation, they add like a like a short voice line over. Yeah, like th- those one-liners. They don't have like, that. Make me cringe. No, they do. Like no, they don't. The game's fully voice acted. No, no, no. Some some of the scenes where like you just start off with the voice, but it just goes text. Trust me, I watched all the playthroughs. <laughs> there, but there is, but the whole game for the first ever since Echoes is fully voiced. There's no little just oh, I agree. Like you have in like Awakening and stuff like that. I swear to God, if I find it, you will. All right, but, but the all game right. is fully voiced. That's like its biggest. Because they focused a lot on the character stuff and uh, all the dialogue. Fire Emblem Three Waifus for the win. Next up, best role playing game. This one was, I think, very very stacked. And I, I never heard what the winner like the the winning game. I never heard of that. So really, because it's been making the rounds. The winner at the Game Awards was Disco Elysium, which has been making the rounds pretty much every Game of the Year uh, compilation that most major gaming sites have done. It was a surprise hit that came out, I think, late November, early December. And it's essentially yeah. a point-and-click adventure about an amnesiatic detective in a strange like dictatorial state who's trying to solve a murder and figure out who he is and what happened to him. And it's supposed to be like one of the most reactive game worlds ever, where uh, every choice has cascading effects that drastically change the game's narrative and outcomes. And even to the point where your stats all have voices and will argue with you. My stats will argue with you? Your stats will. Like, say you try to stand up to someone and you have like, I I don't remember, I haven't... I've I downloaded the game. I haven't formally played it yet, but from what I've seen screenshots, you have like your charisma stat. Say you're trying to like intimidate someone, your charisma stat will be like you you, you don't got this, and you have to like win, uh, and you have okay, to win okay. a skill check against your yourself. So it's like a living, breeding D and D. Like it's like its own thing at this point. It's it's branched off so far. And like that game is story, so I get why they would say like that's the best role playing game. And I think overall, it's probably the most impressive at the scale of how reactive it is and that you really embody playing the role of this character. I would have bought this game during the Steam sales, but it was not on sale that much. And being a cheapskate that I am, I bought other games instead. Yeah. But I will give this game a chance when it goes, drops down to $20. How do you feel (laughs) about Three Houses not being a nominee for this category? I am okay with it. Doesn't that seem kind of weird? No, not really. They had Monster Hunter World Iceborne, which is an expansion, but not. But it's still you're you take on the role of a hunter, and it's like a like a yeah, good role playing yeah. Game, but I'm talking more so. It's an expansion, not a full fledged game. I mean, Final Fantasy XIV's on there. And that's a sequel. To be fair, that's an MMO. Expansion. It's a bit I different. Mean, there's enough content in Iceborne, I think it can consider itself as a standalone game. I don't Wouldn't doubt it, but it just seems yeah. weird to me that like the the viewers, the players' choice 
winner, Fire Emblem Three Houses, wasn't even a nominee in the genre that it is. Unless Do you I, consider Fire Emblem as actual role playing game or is this a strategy or strategy? Well, it's both. It's actually. both. I'd consider it to be more of a role playing game than a strategy game. But I that, guess that was the consolation. It got put into strategy, which I was surprised they had a strategy category because I wasn't really aware of most of the releases this year. I mean, I think they had to because like Three Kingdoms wouldn't have fit anywhere else in that instance. That's true. And also like Tropical Six and like Wargroove. So. But yeah, it also beat Kingdom Hearts 3, which you and I both played. And I would agree that the game is good, but not good enough to be considered like to be like a best role-playing game considering that i even forgot that it came out in 2019 i would tend to agree i waited 15 years for this game (laughs) and it disappointed (laughs) please buy the dlc coming february which i will probably get because i'm a sucker but um no we'll we'll get into kingdom hearts 3 later because it was nominated for other things but Kingdom Hearts 3 was okay. It's it fun. Was, it's a really fun game. I legit loved it until it got to some of the worlds and the final like the, you know, the actual Kingdom Hearts 3 story areas, like the final end game was a bit eh, and It like, was very okay. iffy. <laughs> it was very unsatisfying given how long the series has been going on for, how many games have built up to this, how long the series has been running. It felt very anticlimactic the way they ended it and then sort of unceremoniously were like, hey, there's going to be like a new saga with all the same characters. It had really cool moments for sure. Mm -hmm. And maybe you and I can just talk about like a dedicated episode on this maybe. Yeah, Um, definitely. But yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 had its moments, but um, as we'll talk later down the line, compared to the other games that were nominated, not even close, I don't think. Yeah. Not even close. Speaking of which, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 is nominated for the next segment. Uh, what do you call the segment? Segment? Category? Correct. The best score and music. And Darren, you know that I love video game music. Like all of us real music listeners. I saw a Twitter I... argument recently about video game music being real music. And I was like, whoa, it's just music, bro. Calm down. Remember the argument back in the day where people complained about Mass Effect 3 music not being music because it's beeps and bloops? And then people were like, man, don't show the EDM. Oh no, what do we do? This man will lose it. So the winner for best score and music, also I would like to call it the most money spent for score and music in a video game. No, it is not. That is a lie. (laughs) Really? Phantom Pain, apparently. Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain allegedly cost like 50 or 60 million on music alone. You don't think Death Stranding comes close to that? No, because this was a... It feels like a smaller budgeted game. They And they went with kind of a... They weren't go... They weren't commissioning a lot of... There was like... A, there's like a lot of indie songs and whatnot, but... I think the, the the music was very concentrated. Like, it's not a huge OST, whereas Metal Gear Solid Five was, like, ludicrous. They had, they licensed, like, every song from the 80s. I think, like, the theme song, like, the nuclear, 
That song alone would have cost a, like a pretty a lot of millions. I don't think it would have because that really? was from like a relatively unknown band until Kojima featured them in his game. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. All right, but I point being, do, Death yeah. Stranding definitely cost money, but not as in, but in enough to win this segment, and not enough to fire Kojima. No, so this game beat out an actual music game. <laughs> yeah, it beat out two. Yeah. It beat out Sinai Wild Hearts, which is pretty and much a rhythm ca- game. And be Cadence of the Hyrule, Ca- which is yeah, basically Ca- a music game. Yeah, Cadence of Hyrule has got like some of the freaking best Zelda remixes ever. I think the only thing you can hold against it is a lot of it is remixes, not original pieces. But maybe yeah, probably that's probably why. But at the same time, the music's so good and so catchy and so well done that it's kind of like eh, what else does it win for? Hmm? Oh, well, shit, it's like it's like this is the category that Cadence would that's win. The only ca- category. It's, it's yeah. the only one it can really compete in. So it's kind of sad to see it go. I mean, at least they got recognition. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised to see Devil May Cry Five here. I'm not. If you're like a metal fan, I think you'll probably love DMC Five. Yeah, metal fans love Devil Trigger. Um, Kingdom Hearts Three. Now. To be honest, that one of the like the best tracks for Kingdom Hearts Three, I'm still out of focus. I hate this camera. Hate this camera. Was the Toy Story theme, and that's already licensed music. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? I mean, all of the original music and character pieces for characters specific to Kingdom Hearts, like the the Xehanort themes, uh, like Cal uh, Kylum, is that the area at the end of the game? Yes, and like the final world. That world always yeah. was also good. There, like, like there's a lot of really good music in the game. So, I mean, it deserves to be there, but it's kind of surprising to see. Like, I'm surprised Three Houses isn't here because that has like a really uh, large mm-hmm. soundtrack that they push the envelope on really hard. And also, Final Fantasy uh, Shadowbringers. I was going to mention included. Shadowbringers yeah. has like crazy good songs in it, and like the new remixes from Near are ridiculous. Like, they're amazing. So it kind of goes to show this is like one of the examples where like it's kind of ah, what is, it's easy for me to say that Death Stranding won because like the Jeff Keighley connection. Now, I'm not, we're not saying Death Stranding music like isn't bad or like it's not up to par because I think it is. But I think to, this era was very stacked in a way that other choices would have made more sense than the winner. Yeah, I mean, the the music is a big part of Death Stranding, and it is good. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think the more suspicious thing about Death Stranding is it's like 14 nominations. Mm-hmm. Including having two nominations in performance, which kind of feels like cheating, because every other game that's that's there is just one performance per game. Speaking of which... Who that's, would a lie. Win that's a lie. That's a lie. There's two. Yeah. There's two for control. Who would win in a title match? Mad Mickelson or Norman Reedus? I feel like Norman Reedus does not win. He's too chill. I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mads. If you pushed him, he'd kill you. And that's why he won performance of the year for Death Stranding. To be fair, whatever he, he did some good. <laughs> he did some good singing. 
forgettable, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I like no, Max yeah. Mickelson. I like him in the game. He's not really in the game a lot, so it's kind of weird that he would, but I mm. don't know. But why did an Olaf for his performance in Kingdom Hearts 3 win? <sighs> Frozen 2. Yeah. yeah. All right. Moving, moving. Move on. All right. The best narrative award went to Not Death Stranding. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it probably didn't deserve to win. Well, Disco Elysium won, which... Given by your premise, exp- uh, you gave me. Mm-hmm. It sounds very interesting, so I'm not yeah. that surprised that it won. Yeah, I'm actually I'm more surprised that it won best RPG and best narrative. Whereas I could see them kind of pushing for it to win best narrative, but not win best RPG. But Darren, what about reuniting the United States of America? Uh, I would narrative? say get farther in the game and get back to me. Because I think the thing is, I think this is true of both Control and Death Stranding, but mm-hmm. the the world and the lore surrounding it is a lot stronger than the actual narrative you participate in in the game. I can see that. Especially for Control, because um, I got the game just queued up in my enormous backlog where okay, I'm still going so you through got the Control, but not Disco Elysium. <laughs> I see how it is. No, no, it came free with my component part. <laughs> all right, all right. Because AMD was having a promotion. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> um, yeah, narrative. Now, I'm not the one to actually give a coherent and logical explanation of a good narrative in video games, because I like pretty. Bad narrative games. <laughs> you don't like bad narrative games. You just happen to be a fan of really convoluted narratives. The best kind of narrative, you know? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it works out in the case of something like Nier or Nier Automata, but... Uh, it makes you think. Like I, I, Part of me was jokingly thinking, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 should have been in this category, but <laughs> no. God, no. <laughs> Oh. I'm actually happy Fire Emblem Three Houses isn't in this category because I think that story is kind of a mess. That has a story? It does. Outside of choosing your waifu and choosing your house and, and uh, fighting to be the best ho- in, in Hogwarts. Did you choose the female professor or male professor? I, my first playthrough, did a male professor with the Black Eagles... And then on my second, my new game plus playthrough, I did a female professor with blue lions, which I'm almost near the end of that. Good. If you said female first, I would have given you a dirty looks. I will say, I think the female design is better in terms of the 3D model. But so far, the male professor has had way better stats. Hmm. They have different growth rates. (laughs) All right, <laughs> this is going into weird territory, so moving on. Thanks, Japan. The, the best ongoing game of 2019, which makes no sense. Ooh, this is a, this is a controversial one. Final Fantasy XIV got robbed. 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 Yeah, I'm actually kind but... of surprised Fortnite won. Well, I'm not surprised that it won, to be honest, but I didn't want it to win. 
Well, you have... I don't think Apex should win, because Apex has actually had a lot of weird support over the year. It's been uh, controversial, some of the decisions they've made, and some of the lack of support in some cases. Mm-hmm. Destiny 2 went through a huge relaunch that became a lot more uh, open, and it seems to have been quite successful. So I was almost expecting that to win. Just because yeah, of open because how... they made it free. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's how Fortnite won. Ugh. But uh, I mean, for- Fortnite had a brilliant marketing strategy of for this year, and I super clipped there, sorry. You mean just because we're Fortnite, we can get every major movie studio to give us money to do a tie-in? No, no, not that marketing. Um, do you remember the Black Hole event? Yes, there was that. I think that was, as this ta- as much as I hated it, it was fucking brilliant. Swearing right there, first swear of 2020. Ding! I don't believe that. Well, for podcasts, anyway. Oh, there you go. Only the first recorded swear. Yeah. Oh, non-recorded swear. I swore the moment, like, it, like, turned 2020. It's like, fuck yeah. Like, shit, it's 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, Like, that, the, during the time the game was down, they still had as much many viewers on Twitch and other platforms, like, waiting to see what the black hole was about. They had That's people crazy. staring at a goddamn hole for days and onwards. I feel like that's just because most of the audience is like under 14. Was that a pun for fun? <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. Yeah, so Shadowbringers, shame, because it had, it literally brought the, I think, or at least from what I can see, got the community excited again for 14. I mean, with Shadowbringers. The community has been excited about 14 since forever. Pretty much since Heaven's Ward, the game has received tons of uh and not really, stormblood really positive acclaim stormblood was pretty good but not to the level of heaven's ward then shadowbringers according to those who play it they swear by it and say it's like the best expansion yet and it's like revitalized the game it's changed how the game works it's overhauled a lot of classes brought new classes the developers have taken in a lot of feedback like how the near automata outfits the 2b outfit uh, it had a bug where it made your character's butt too big, which they got patched. Which they which they got patched to to they nerfed the butt, but then the community outraged this, so they re-implemented it. I actually read the actual like the story behind that. So apparently, the bug wasn't that it's make was making their ass too big. They were okay with that. So the actual bug was the sitting. Because the butt was so big or something, the sitting sitting animation would like make it screw up or something. So that's mm. why they had to fix the butt in order for the sitting animation to be proper. Mm. So Yoshida was okay with big butts because big butts cannot lie. They just had to fix an actual bug. So mm. it was a big understanding. Square Enix is all about that ass. We're good. Ever since go. Yoko Taro, they let Yoko Taro in. Did you hear about him taking 100 producers hostage in the New Year's? <laughs> and he killed, like, the Square Enix producer? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> he kidnapped, like, 100 producers and he killed, like, the main producer of Square Enix. <laughs> what do you mean he killed him? Go read the Silicon interview. <laughs> That's the headline. Yoko Taro kills producer of Square Enix and kidnaps 100 other producers at ransom. Or something like that. All right. No, it doesn't sound out of character. Well, Darren's looking that up. Let's go through the other ones really quickly. Best multiplayer game of the year goes to Apex Legends. 
it beat COD and Tetris 99, which you can argue is not really a, you know, a blockbuster multiplayer game, but yeah. I am surprised it beat Call of Duty. Maybe because the game just came out during like the voting era, vote, uh, the voting, voting period. But, well, I will admit that when Apex Legends first came out, it had a huge following. It did. And I mean, it's still a big. huge wave of players. It's still big, but not... I think Fortnite regained back its throne with, like, the Season 2 stuff, so... I mean, it was always... It always had the throne. It was just like, oh, like, there may be a new challenger. And they've been a worthy competitor. Yep. Are you looking that up? Which... The that silicon report. I'm trying to. It's, it's fairly recent, so. Well, while Darren's looking that up, another fairly obvious slash small award. Actually, no, this one's kind of big. The best indie game went to Disco Elysium again. It beat out Katana Zero and the Goose Game, which, if the game awards wanted to meme it up, they should have gave it to the Goose Game. I'm kind of surprised didn't. the the Untitled Goose game didn't win just because of how wholesome it is and how memed it was for a while. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they wanted to, but, you know, looking at the grand scheme of things, I think they had to give it to, like, Disco Elysium, right? Well, the other one I'm really surprised by is that they didn't give it to The Outer Wilds because that's such an acclaimed title and it's winning so many Game of the Year awards right now. Maybe someone had a really big card for Disco Elysium. I mean, I that's usually the clearly case. It, clearly that's the case, seeing as how many, uh, how many awards it's won. A lot. Three at this point. Like, I was expecting Control to win a lot of these things, but Control didn't win much in the end, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But moving on, best community support goes to Destiny 2. This is an interesting category because of community and then ongoing. It seems so related that to me it's kind of weird that they're split up to two categories. I guess they're different enough, but... It's interesting. The community support is about like the player and the developer developers being like kind of like transparent with each other and how like the developer like reach out to the community. Which in that case, I think 14 should also would have should have won because how many like live letter sessions did 14 have over the course of the launch and post launch for Shadowbringers? Yeah. Yoshi P had to comment in the live letter to address the goddamn Tubi butt thing. What more? What community support do you want more? Come on. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems weird to me that Final Fantasy XIV didn't win because that I feel like that game's all about the community, whereas Destiny Two has been the story of who's publishing it. Well. Which is unfortunate because that should have been the one that 14 could have won. But in the end, they didn't win anything. <laughs> I mean, it seems like catered for 14. Like, it just best community support. Not best expansion, not best ongoing game, not best update, best expansion. Like, it just seems so perfect for it. 
I mean, this is a Western gaming award show. Maybe that's one. I mean, Fire Emblem won a category. I mean, they have to give some games for Switch, right? (laughs) All right. Got to appease the lack of Smash DLC announcements. Speaking of fighting games, I know you'll love this one. The fighting game of 2019 goes to... This felt a little stacked in this game's favor, considering the other nominees. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for Switch. One game of the... Fighting game of the year. You it heard it out. here, folks. Jeff Keighley says Smash is a fighting game, so it is. It beat MK11 and Sam Show. To be it fair. It beating Sam Show was okay, a bit... Okay, okay, okay. But this is, like a popu- this is like almost like a popularity contest. It beat MK11. How? Smash is way bigger than MK11. I dude. MK11 is po- more popular than you think. It's more popular than I think, sure, but Smash is like the one of if it, one of the most popular IPs on the planet. It's one of the most supported, most played, most consistently tournamented. Like it's got so much sway and it's like it's sold it sold more than like every fighting game combined that in the year it came out. Like it's it's not a competition. I also feel like it's a bad joke that they had freaking jump force here. Like what? Jump 4 is the best fighting game, the best collaboration, the best crossover e- game of the decade. I don't even consider it a real fighting huh, game. Huh, huh. All that, that game is, is, is throwing supers at each other. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, moving on. So following up with this fighting game segment, we go to the, the family game. Which, for some reason, Super Smash Brother was on there, and I thought that would win, and that would cause the biggest uproar in Twitter, because all the FGC guys would have went like, See? Smash is a family game! I told you, it's it's not a a fighting game! game. (laughs) But, no, that went to Luigi's Mansion 3. This also felt like the Nintendo category, considering all the games here are Nintendo games. Why was Ring Fit on there? Because your family could play. Your grandma will play Ring Fit. Your mom will play Ring Fit. She likes Pilates. Together? Maybe. I mean, I have the thing. It's fun, but... I mean, I like that Luigi's Mansion won something because it's supposed to be really good. And I like the original Luigi's Mansion. And I'm told this one's quite good. So it's kind of nice to like, hey... It's getting its due, but at the same time, it's like, this category is just weird. It's just all Nintendo games. And it feels like it was kind of, like, it feels like kind of, it was catered to win. Like, why don't, why not just call it the best Nintendo exclusive at that point, you know? Yeah, it's, it's weird. All right, I'm going around in circles, but the next one, which you and I could discuss very thoroughly... Best Game Direction, which covers the game's ability, how it pushed the innovation in video games and whatnot. And it went to Death Stranding. Yeah, I was going to say, you know how I keep keep talking about how categories feel like they're custom made for certain games to win them? Innovation. It feels like because this category has the word direction in it and direct... It, this was exclusively made for Kojima to win. I oh also I'm surprised they didn't nominate a like uh the best director of the year. 
in the categories. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's kind of strange. Because this was for the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Death Stranding is cool. I don't think it's necessarily like the greatest game that came out last year. I think there's a lot of questionable things in it, but it's also very unique. And it's hard It's hard to really separate this game from Kojima's direction. But at the same time, I feel like in my heart of hearts, like Outer Wilds or RE2 should have won. But I feel like it's, it's Jeff Keighley's show. Death Stranding had 14 nominations. And I was already surprised it only won in music. I was expecting like Death Stranding to clean up. But that was the meme, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like it's a hundred percent. This is a Hideo Kojima category. I think it would have worked better, and I'm pretty sure they thought of this. They should have just had it. The kept keep the game direction category, but just have the best new IP, and that would have been probably a three way between like Sekiro, uh, Death Stranding, and Control. I think. And maybe Outer Wilds. Outer but Wilds, like, Disco Elysium. Yeah, like that would have been a better like addition, I think, to for Death Stranding to win. Because it's a new IP. It's something that nobody has done before because Kojima invented the whole stranding genre. Allegedly. He basically transferred his length his like vision into Death Stranding and won. <laughs> he wanted he wanted to make this game, and boy, he made Did it. Did he make it? Yep. And they still haven't released the actual sales numbers for this game. Hmm. I really want to know how well it's sold. Hmm. Because that will reveal so much. The game went on sale like 30 bucks off during Black Friday and Boxing To be fair, Jedi Fallen Order also did that. Luigi's Mansion got huge sales. Like A lot of big releases in the fall window got huge discounts. But not in the level of Death Stranding, though. On the level, it's just that Death Stranding was like like a couple weeks more recent. Don't you find this surprising, though? No. You don't? No. That's just how sales work. Mm-hmm. Happens every year with the major releases. Um, as for my... Nah, my choice for game direction would have been RE2. Because if you're t- talk- talking about innovation and like actual direction of how the game should be played or how it was like designed, because RE2 is a remake and the decisions they had to do, like recreating the game within modern technology and not the way even, they implement... Not even like recreating it, like reimagining it. Yeah, like because RE2 was kind of... They were bound by the restriction of the technology back in like 1997? and for them to actually reimagine this game using modern technology basically removing the loading screen between doors i think that and other things obviously obviously the camera perspective the actual progression because you're no like the entire layout is changed but things are familiar the innovations it's taken to like the metroidvania style like how do i get through this area i need this puzzle key where do i get this puzzle key that sort of stuff has been really overhauled. I think probably Outer Wild should have won because nah, nah. that game is it lives on innovation, exploration, player discovery, and I feel like the direction of the game is entirely trying to guide the player, but without showing your hand of the creator. And from what I've heard, it's supposed to be like incredibly successful at that. So to me, it feels like Outer Wilds has been really shafted 
on a lot of these categories. But Death Stranding wins because it's super original. And air, it wins air quotes, because, air because Jeff Keighley is friends with Hideo Kojima, and because the award is for Best Direction, he gets to I be mean, on stage with Hideo Kojima to hand him the award. I mean, it's... When else has, well, he, has uh, he been able to do that? Didn't he do that for, like, when he when Kojima got into, like, the video game Hall of Fame? Yeah, for, like, the original Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. But but this is what Jeff Kelly want is always wanted. He wants he wanted to give his best friend one of those game award trophies in the middle of stage where everyone can see them together. Moving on, where he can touch <laughs> his hand. We're almost through and come together like in Death Stranding. The best audio <laughs> audio design goes to Call of Duty. Ha huh. ha. Huh. Of all the categories. I can only assume the campaign was so good that the audio design like sold it. I can only assume that people at this award show really didn't want to give Resident Evil 2 any awards. So COD beat Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Gears of War 5, and Sekiro for best audio design. I don't... This is a pretty stacked list. But the thing is... I'm sure Call of Duty has good sound design because you got your weapons, you got all the night vision, you got crouching, or you got explosions. You got crouching. Well, like the crouch walking, like, you know, and like and like going prone, scraping your elbows across the sand, debris, and surfaces. But like Resident Evil 2 is the sound design. Like that's the whole freaking game is you, how, how much of the game scares is purely you hearing Mr. X walk. With a Thomas, no, the DMX soundtrack. <laughs> it only if that music the mod was allowed in the game, that would have won Game of the Year, or Thomas the Train's theme song. I don't know. Freaking, I feel like I feel like this should have been an easy win for Resident Evil Two. I don't even think it's like a contest. It, it, it makes no sense to me. Looking back, Capcom didn't win anything. They won one category. Did they? Yeah. Best action you? game. Oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> that was that was on my next page. <laughs> All right. Like the most important category for them, really. I mean, I I really wish RE2 would have won something, but then like, again, this is all personal preference. So what yeah, do you I mean, it wish it it didn't even win best action adventure. Nope, and that's next on the list. Thanks for telling you who telling you who didn't win. Tell you who didn't win. So RE2 didn't win Action Adventure. That award goes to Sekiro, the Shadow Dice Twice. I mean, which eh. I I'm hard pressed to disagree with it. I can't be mad with it because that's what that game is. It's an action adventure. It's not really an RPG. It's very different from other Souls type games that uh, from software has worked on. So makes sense it's to just... me. I haven't I haven't fully played Control. I feel like some people would argue Control has also been getting. Uh, having some difficulty here it's interesting that this is the only like one of the only categories uh link's awakening is in and it's the only category i think that uh borderlands 3 has been featured in no link's awakening was in the best family game i think oh i <laughs> only I, because I not see it. sorry the only nintendo category it's a nintendo game <laughs> it didn't even win a nintendo category game well, how is it supposed to win anything else 
the art style. What was the point of that art style if it doesn't win you best family game? No, because the art style, great segue again, as expected from my partner, goes to Control, which I agree with. I mean, Control looks really cool, and it has probably the most innovative like graphical tech behind the scenes. So it's hard. But I'm hard pressed to disagree with that. It goes to show that nobody cares about a kitty really cute chibi style. At least this year. Mm, wait, what's coming in next year? I don't know. Animal Crossing. There you go. That will win best family game. Best family. <laughs> best Nintendo game. Best family game. Best community support. Best game direction. Best game direction. Best sound design. All right, the la- the award that you and I both fully agree on, which I'm cu- I'm happy that it won, but at the same time, the other game that was nominated also deserves super praise. The best action game of 2019 goes to Devil May Cry 5. Woo! Which it feels like this is also one of those categories where you're like, if Devil May Cry doesn't win here, like, what's the point of this award show? I fully agree with you. <laughs> what's the other game that you think deserves to win something? Astral Chain. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Why not? Because you actually haven't played it. Yeah, I did. You've played it? La Demo. <laughs> oh, what doesn't count? Oh, come on. You got a taste. Dude, do I look like I have money to buy all these games and play them? Maybe. No. Well, yes, but I don't have the time to play them. That's my problem. There you go. I wish I had all the... I literally want take half the year off just to play like the backlogs and like any of the new games there's a lot (laughs) but devil may cry 5 is fantastic i feel like in an award show like this devil may cry 5 represents like such a niche genre and like a niche like approach to action games these days like astral chain is more representative of like a modern character action game and how platinum designs them like you having a dedicated dodge button and, and basically dedicated functionality whereas Devil May Cry 5 has always required more inputs from the player mm-hmm. it, it requires a bit more finesse in a way and I, I think feel- also pe- yeah, I think also that people did not play Astro Chain as uh, compared to the amount of pe- uh, people that play DMC5 that's probably true I also think DMC5 is much more interesting overall, and it doesn't take like 30 hours like Astral Chain. Also, it's not exclusive to a system. That is also true. Very true. But I did read a recent report that Astral Chain sold beyond expectations, so all that ends well. So, we have reached the final award after an hour of talking. Holy crap. Told you. You and I can talk about things forever, I feel. And that's why you listen to us. And this this will be a place where I put ads and chill out, but we have no sponsors. So, moving on. The game of the year of 2019 goes to... Not Death Stranding. It's Sekiro Shadow Dice twice. Which I'm quite frankly surprised by. A motherfucking Japanese game one of game of the year in a Western video game show. And it's a Japanese game about Japan. And it's a game that journalists complained about so much. It's and the jury game. is made up of journalists. <laughs> it's a game that probably most of the jury didn't finish. Like, what's the deal? Is this like a big old, like, 
Okay, fine. Because you defended it so much, we'll just give it Game of the Year. I mean, I feel like everyone is anticipating Death Stranding to win, purely just because of how many nominations, uh, how it was sort of positioned. Control was also a strong contender. I, my, my personal Game of the Year is Resident Evil 2, so I really wanted that to win because it didn't win anything all show. And I honestly thought Smash actually had a really good chance. Me too. I thought that would actually win, just like out of left field. I'm also it's a little like, surprise, disappointed smash. that the Outer Worlds was here instead of the Outer Wilds. Is there a difference? There are two different games. Well, maybe you shouldn't make them titles so significantly similar then. <laughs> you can't control what people call their video games. Was that a pun? <laughs> Don't give me that look. <laughs> anyway, I do agree. Well, no. Sekiro, I mean, whatever I say is like, it's like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, insignificant because I didn't play Sekiro. It's still on my list. <laughs> I mean, I've finished, I've almost finished it twice. Mm. I really liked it. I think it's one of, if not my favorite from software game right now, which mm -hmm. is a lot because they've made some of my favorite games ever. And... It's incredibly fun. It completely absorbed me. I dropped everything else I was doing to play it once I, I saw gameplay for it and how cool it looked. We had a lot of anticipation for it on this podcast, like way back when we were talking about like E3 and seeing all the footage from the game there. And I honestly think it it it's far surpassed my expectations for what it was. I was expecting like bloodborne japan and we got something that was very wildly different that felt more like a tenchu game i mean it is a tenchu game it, it was initially they... it was initially prototyped as a tenchu game yeah and just got bloodborne half half the way through yeah but it, it, it feels more <laughs> like a character action game than like a, a like a souls type game yeah because they went away from uh well dark souls you had defending and encountering then bloodborne went a more like dodging and encountering and then secure goes for parry encountering no it's it's like Isn't get it? good at parrying or don't play the game yeah like parrying is the way to go and that's it like the whole game revolves around parrying which in dark souls has famously always been like one of the more difficult things to do in, in all your options in combat it's like the most difficult. You can block, which is the easiest. You can dodge roll. You can do perfectly timed dodge rolls to get into better situations. But parrying bosses and major enemies has always been really difficult, infamously. Especially because if you mess up, you eat tons of damage. And in Sekiro, like, you are very fragile. And parrying puts you at huge risk. But they made it work. They made it really satisfying. And it leads to some of the coolest looking boss fights they've ever done. Um, I mean, we both talked about how your choice of game of the year was RE2. Yes, without a doubt. And honestly, I would agree because I only played one of the games on the list and that game does not deserve to win game of the year. <laughs> what game is that? Smash Brothers. <laughs> I didn't even play Smash that much. And technically well, we're that talking came about game in 2018. God, why are you talking about game of the year? I didn't play half of these games. 
Hey, I guess I'm a game journalist then. Ooh. Mm. Well, that concludes the actual category segment. I thought we were going to breeze through this in like 30 minutes, but we got good conversation out of it, I think. Yeah, and I'm and now looking back at this list, I'm really disappointed with how Resident Evil 2 got nothing. It's such a outstanding achievement in the genre and the series, and I'm really blown away that it didn't really get any recognition for how good it was and how it it had so many things going against it. I mean, this is I think this is a repeat of the 2017, I think, or when Bloodborne came out. You know how like Witcher Three like stole every single award category, right? Which it kind of deserved to. It, 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 it was a shock yeah. to the system. But I think I don't. I'm not even sure that Bloodborne won like won anything. But I think it's like the same case. Like when you have so many good games that are nominated or and or releases in the same year, you kind of have to make the difficult choice. And I think Sekiro won. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure they're neck and neck, but the fact that it was an original IP kind of like gave it a little edge yeah. to like and stand up. It's, also, it's also not like a a remake. It's not a no. game of a previous game. Because RE2 has the expectation that you know it's going to be a good game because it's RE2. But you kind of know what you're walking into, especially yeah. because there is a game from ni- 1998 that is, I think, the best selling game of the franchise still. That. Uh, has set precedent for for what to expect from it. You know, it's not going to go wildly out of the bounds of that, even though the in only, some cases yeah. it did. Like the only game on the list is like Control being like the original IP. I mean, Death Stranding is also original IP, but I feel like given like the community or not not the community like the public outlash on like how the bo- like boring the game is. I like wouldn't even first... call it outlash. I would just say there's just a very divisive <laughs> opinion on Death Stranding. Yeah, you could be called us Twitter. People either love it and think it's so innovative and smart and fresh, and other people absolutely cannot stand the gameplay. But Sakurai liked it. That means everyone should like it. Hmm? I mean, Sakurai's got a really good taste in video games. He likes Terry Bogard. He loves Terry Bogard. Here's a spontaneous category for you. Mm. Best DLC of the year. Goes to. I wait for me to fill that in. Yes, I feel like the only one the the, the nominees would be Shadowbringers, Iceborne, Smash. It's hard to argue against Smash. Yeah, <laughs> it's had such good character pulls, and it's made a lot of people really happy. So it's it's kind of hard to to disregard that, and it's the like the one that. seemingly the most people anticipate that's a cop-out answer the correct answer is terry bogard moving on (laughs) (laughs) all right i have a bunch of points listed down that got announced like during in between the game awards i want to talk with you the major point which was the talk of next gen but Mm -hmm. before that i'm gonna say a bunch of things and you will tell me what you think about it really quickly ready mm. bravely default 2 i think that's cool they're making a game i hope they make a game that's better than the previous bravely defaults why is it called bravely default 2 when there's bravely second are there, are there those different things 
Bravely Second is like a direct continuation from Bravely Default, whereas this is like a new world. I agree uh, that it's okay. stupid and it should be three because let's be real, there's three games. It would make more sense. Stop doing Kingdom Hearts stuff, Square Enix. Please stop. Gasp. Um, no Pokemon in the nominations. Are they pushing it to 2020? They might push it to 2020, but it came out in November, and other games here, I feel like, came out later than November. Like, Disco Elysium and um, Outer Wilds were pretty late releases, so... Would you even nominate Pokemon for anything this year? Family game? You mean Nintendo Nintendo. exclusive? (laughs) Exactly! Uh... Thoughts on Ghost of Tsushima coming out in summer 2020? I want to see like just hard gameplay of that game. Because on paper, it looks really cool. I'm glad that and Sekiro didn't come out like neck and neck. That would have been weird. And it would have... I feel like they're going to be very different games. Mm-hmm. My biggest fear is that it's going to have Batman Arkham style combat. Where you like jump around between opponents and do yeah. like takedowns one at a time. Or if it's going to be too similar to like something like Assassin's Creed. Because it is open world. So I'm not really sure what the the core, like what your attacks look like. Or if you're being more stealthy. But like the the, the visuals are beautiful. It's got cool instrument instrumentation. I like the, the design of the character, the ghost. That seems cool. And I'm a big fan of like feudal Japan. That's, I think it's a really cool setting, both aesthetically and uh, like just in terms of like media that covers that era. I think have always been really fascinating. So I'm hopeful, and it's cool that we got a release date. It's a bit later than what I would have expected. Summer 2020 means that might be the last big title we might get before this console generation ends, because they Microsoft somehow use this opportunity to announce their new xbox during game of the year awards which they don't normally do yeah they before for the xbox they had like a was that e3 or did they have an event i think it was at e3 usually that's what i think because i remember xbox one was announced at e3 playstation 4 was announced at e3 I don't remember if Switch was announced at E3. It might have been released during a Treehouse. Switch had its own event. Yes, they had a Switch event. Which I believe they also did for PS4. So there's a new trend where the E3 isn't the biggest announcement um, like expo anymore. They're slowly going away from E3 and doing their own things. Yeah. One of the reasons I can think of them doing that is like less leaks. It's less leaks. You're you're controlling your message more. You have your own platform. You control what gets out, which is part of leaks, but it's also part of like how you brand it, how long you have, how much preparation, having to go all the way to LA and setting up a show floor and setting up in the auditorium and having a big fancy light show and in some cases, having an orchestra, then you have like parties and events versus just, hey, we streamed this pre-recorded video or this a live event that we did on our own terms in our own office, in our own studio. And it's, it's a lot easier. I also think it's interesting that the Microsoft announces now instead of E3, 
That means that they won't waste their time explaining what the console is during E3. They'll just focus on the games releasing. I feel like nope. they still have to explain the console because I'm I know there's a lot of confusion around the fridge. The Xbox Model X. Is it weird for me to say I kind of like their vertical design? I mean, no. I just I just don't know where it's going to fit in my shelf. I mean, it looks more aesthetically pleasing. Maybe. It takes up less room. Maybe. I mean, like, look at all, like, the other, like, smart home things. They're all vertical. Yeah, but they're they're not that bulky. I mean... That's basically a PC tower. It's the size of my, like, internet modem. I thought it was way bigger than that. No, not not that much. Well, do you... Who do you... Who are you with? No, you're with Telus, that's why. Yeah. Because Shaw moved to, like, a vertical tower now. It looks exactly like the Xbox One X. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So they announced like the Scorp, uh, Scarlet version, which is the basically the Pro version. So I guess they'll still have to announce like the more you know mainstream version. Yeah, different models, different pricing, which is kind of weird. I know they they did that for P- PS4 had one model at launch, and didn't Xbox yep. One have one model at launch? Xbox One had the no- the fat one at launch, the one you have, the black one, and then they announced the One S later down the line, which is basically the yeah, slim. yeah. But it, but at launch they just had the one because I know the back one, yes. back in PS3 and uh, and 360 there was different models, weren't they, with different hard drive sizes? Yeah, but the internal components were still the same. It was only yeah. the hard drives different, but that that drove a different price. Yes, it was like 500 gigabytes versus one terabyte, which at the time, pricing was ludicrous. Yeah. But I think people are moving away. Like, console SKUs hasn't been... Like, they don't release a different SKUs right away, I don't think. Because they released the one terabyte for a PS4 later down the line. Yeah. So Um, it's interesting that they're already talking about different versions. Like, they... Saw what Sony launched or already like kind of leaked what their system can do. Mm-hmm. Like potential backwards compatibility, faster SSD for like really quick loading, um, built-in ray tracing or some shit like that, but yeah. nobody cares about. So I think it's Microsoft being like, hey, remember that really like, you know, vague thing we talked about last year? Here you go. Our PS5 Pro killer. If there is a PS5 Pro, which there probably is, but. I mean, Probably. So basically, Microsoft drew first blood in the next gen war. Actually, well, Sony, Sony did. Well, they didn't actually show actual product. Yeah, but they did by announcing the PS5 before Scarlet. Like, or the Scar- Scarlet got announced just as we're making the next Xbox, but then Sony came out with details and like an exclusive interview, and that kind of stole Switch the conversation. <laughs> what? Where the hell does Switch lie? It lies in its own space, like Nintendo always has. Because right, you're not you as a gamer are not likely to own both Xbox and PlayStation. You will choose one or the other based off of either a what brands you prefer, what exclusives you want, where your friends play, and then you probably have a Switch as like a companion console. Which it seems like that's kind of the space it occupies. But Darren, you own, you own all three. I technically only own two. 
You have three in your household for now. But I don't own one of those. Neither you play on one of those anyway. I actually don't. Especially since especially since Game Pass came to PC and Microsoft's were bringing over their exclusives to PC, I personally don't see a reason to invest in that hardware. Eh. Especially I mean, if they keep if they keep parity, like what they did with Gears 5. I think Xbox is for those people who don't want to invest in a really expensive gaming PC, period. But they're going to invest in a really expensive game console that looks like a PC. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes total sense. Yeah. And also works better with TVs. That's my only... That's the only advantage I can think of for game consoles. Where's that super cut of, like, the 2012 E3 of just the Xbox hardware being like, TV, 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 TV. Television, television. Television subscription, subscription, television, TV. The water cooler of television. So here is my final question for you before we wrap this episode up because we... This actually went on as long as I thought it would be. Hmm. All according to Keikaku. What is your... Well, no, I don't want to make this too broad. Hmm. Okay. More narrowed down question. What is your expectation for next gen? What are you looking the most forward to, I guess? What am I looking the most forward to? Because we already seen what it could look like given by the new Godfall trailer that came out for PS5. Mm -hmm. Which initially I thought was a PS4 game. And then it's like... Coming to PS5 in holiday 2020. I was like, what? That's a PS5 game? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, obviously the leap in graphical technology will be cool and effects because they're really trying to push ray tracing as the big next-gen item. I'm at, I'm at a point where I'm kind of indifferent to the technology because it's every generation pretty much since the PS3 and 360, it's been smaller and smaller more gradual leaps and the price of the technology is going up like graphics cards are the most expensive they've ever been uh hard drives went down but that's about it and it's kind of this weird space of like the graphics arms race is kind of like at an end and everything more or less is just a pc so i think the exclusives are always where my interest has been and i'm excited to see the potential of what we can get in the next gen in terms of just like untethering ourselves from these consoles that are now almost a decade old like mm-hmm. this generation has gone on for a longer time than what most would think it's gone on for so i'm very eager to see what we get and i'm also really hopeful that because xbox pushed the trend that everyone else follows and we get backwards compatibility with improved performance for older games they they say ps5 will work with ps4 games and i'm really hoping we get like boosted performance like i would love to be able to carry over my ps4 library into the ps5 or if i was an xbox one player i'd love to carry over those games to the one x xbox model x gamer live passes pardon isn't that what the gamer live pass is supposed to be it just like carries all your saved progress like throughout the systems I mean, if you if you have uh, if you have the the gamer pass, yeah, for for Xbox, I imagine pretty you're pretty set. And 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 gamer pass is like a really good deal right now because they're getting a lot of really hot games on there. And if they put their exclusives on there, you have all the more reason to get it. My expectation for next gen is that at this point, I don't really care about how the game looks anymore. 
mm-hmm. because I'm still satisfied with how they look now and how developers are pushing like the graphical boundaries of the current games. Yeah, like in a way, it's kind of hard to imagine how games could look better. If anything, maybe like the VR games will look better. If anything, but I'm not even mm-hmm. sure that what the future holds for VR. Yeah, we do know that Sony is supposedly going back to VR. They're doing another PlayStation VR. Uh, Valve is going to be launching. They are. I believe they've launched their headset and they're launching yep, Half Life Alex this year in March, I believe. Correct. So there is still development in that space, and theoretically, with the better technology, if you can't really leap forward graphically. Or like system wise, it makes sense to put that power towards VR and try to innovate there. Like I think that's a very good uh, area to look at right now. Because I think we're be- go- everyone's looking beyond how traditional con- like they started this back with the Wii and like kind of the connect where they want you to move away from the traditional controls and kind of move towards this like non analog type of like inputs. Yeah. Like, they literally want to just put you in the game now. So I think next-gen will not mostly be about how good things look. It will be more about, we have this processing power for to actually have you be more immersed in the game in other ways. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the trend. It might be set for next year. Or I mean, next that'd, be, few years. that'd be a cool trend. I, and the, I think the other thing... Cost more money! Yeah. I think the other thing that this gen brought a lot of awareness to is 60 fps and i hope that becomes like an adopted industry standard for like all games no more 24 fps cinematic bullshit hey i'm gonna i'm gonna describe you something imagine if you could play zelda breath of the wild in 60 fps i mean you could with the emulator (laughs) i mean yeah but it's not legal speaking of which no new trailers for zelda 2 yeah, that's kind of strange. But I feel like we'll definitely have a direct exclusively about Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. Hey, Pokemon uh, the, uh Pokemon Treehouse next week. He... Pokemon Gun? I mean, Pokemon Hammer? Pokemon World Circuit? Pokemon Stars? Pokemon Stadium? Mm. Pokemon MMORPG? <laughs> mm. I think he'll I think he'll just be like a free update. I'm not holding my breath. Cause apparently this will be the longest nin- Pokemon related direct ever. Alright. I think what they're gonna here's here's my two here's my guesses. They're going to announce the Ruby and Sapphire remake on Switch. Which which you mean Diamond and Pearl? And they will announce like, "Hey, I heard you like National Dex shit. Here you go, free download. All like the your favorite Pokemon from like the National Dex are back." Yeah, I I feel love us. I feel like it'll be like an expansion. It has to be. Like, like version uh, 1.2 or well. or they'll announce like more pokemon spin-off titles pokemon mystery dungeon i mean people would be up for that maybe i'd be they'll... up for a pokemon trading card game for actual consoles 
I mean, that could be cool to actually have Jeez. like a dedicated one that's like well produced. Yeah. Or kind of like or, the old Game Boy Color games. Or Pokemon Conquest 2, bring that back. Hey, I'd be down for that. <laughs> hey, now that you have your own really popular strategy RPG series, just do Pokemon <laughs> Fire Emblem. <laughs> but for now, we did our ma- obligatory Game of the Year 2019 wrap-up. But stay tuned because this is only the tip of the iceberg for what we have planned for early 2020. Mm. For the Gaming Blues podcast. In the new future, we will bring you several more episodes, including a movie review of a popular franchise that bombed. And me and Darren, Darren and I, sorry, grammar error. We are planning to look back and talk about our games of the decade because... Technically, we are at year zero of this decade now. That's true. It all resets, and we have to discuss what is the most important game of the decade. I can bet you Darren will probably put Persona and Fire Emblem on the list. One of those will be on the list, or none of them. So stay tuned for that, as I will aim for a more frequent, steady, consistent weekly releases of the Gaming Blues Podcast, along with little bits of the esports edition here and there where I will ramble about my own thoughts on the esports industry. And maybe, maybe not, we will have a guest on for the movie review cast because I have reached out to a friend who would also like to discuss about the movie. You know her very well, Darren. We'll see how that goes. Mm. And I will keep you posted on the social medias. So Darren, let's wrap this up by having you tell us what you have plan- have plans for 2020. Well, the first plan I have for 2020, outside of the Gaming Blues podcast, which you can download at pretty much any podcast platform of your choice. Be sure to leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, like iTunes or the Google Play Store, by the way. Uh, I am a part of Emblemcast. We recorded our long-awaited Fire Emblem Three Houses uh episode where we talk all things three houses we analyze the game the roots we describe our favorite characters our favorite things our least favorite things and we go really in depth so look forward to that in the coming month i'm currently working on that and i'm hoping that 2020 this new decade will help reinvigorate that old flame of mine the gaming pilgrimage where can they find you darren at youtube.com slash the gaming pilgrimage or twitch.tv slash the gaming pilgrimage or if you want to hear me ramble occasionally about things you gotta find me on twitter at gaming pilgrim as for myself that was in sync um i actually streamed twice what a surprise i am (gasps) going through bloodborne right now and having really really a good time with it how far I are thought you? I would not that far. How many bosses? <laughs> Two. What's your build? What build? <laughs> <laughs> I am just like a great stream. Where can people find you as you flounder about? Um, you can in find me streaming at random times at twitch.tv last blues, and you will also find probably when I get around to editing them. Uh, YouTube, I actually don't have my own like dedicated URL because I don't have 100 subscribers to my oh, YouTube. Okay. So, what, so what, for, do, what do people need to do so that eventually you can do that? So for now, follow me at 
Last Blues on Twitter, and there will be a link to my YouTube. So hopefully you can follow me. And once I reach 100 subs, I can have my own dedicated link, which will be kick-ass. Hooray. So that being said, um, so in January and on to February, right now the plan is to record more podcasts with Darren and stream more Bloodborne until I get tired of it or get stuck on a boss. And then slowly go through my 2017 library because I managed to knock two off my list. Um, Last of Us and God of War is in queue, so I might stream one of them because um, you know they're relatively short games. Well, God of War is not short, but Last of Us is probably streamable at best. So look forward to that. And as a final send-off, you can find this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. Just search Gaming Blues Podcasts, B-L-U-E-S, Blues Podcasts, in the search engine, and you will find us. Subscribe us, subscribe to us and leave us a review as it helps us reach out to many more people in the podcast community. This has been the Gaming Blues Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. My name is Andy, and to my imaginary left is... And we will see you in the next episode. Goodbye.